the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, we would say, my ancestors were the best. They came over on the Mayflower. They were the best. We were the elite class. We were the aristocracy of Russia. And then we came out of that country and we came here. We were the wealthiest. We were the best. We were the bravest. Why, my great-great-great-grandparents fought in the Revolutionary War on the right side. You know, things like that. Uh, that's what we would say. Very proud of our backgrounds. Named after the first king of Israel, of the most prominent tribe, and bearing impeccable religious credentials, the Apostle Paul had every right to be proud of his heritage, at least from his contemporaries' point of view. But Paul set all of that aside in order to be saved by grace. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff will continue the message he began in our last class. We will be studying the portrait of a former legalist. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving at Lakeside for over 27 years, and his teaching ministry has grown to include these daily radio Bible classes. If you have your Bible, please turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, and let us begin our class. So what we want to look this morning is how Paul attacks legalism by presenting two things. Number one, his credentials, and number two, his conversion. And even though you may obviously believe that salvation is by grace, you need to be strengthened in this. And you need to be equipped so that when someone speaks to you and tells you that they could get to heaven by their own good works, that all they need to do is keep the Ten Commandments, all they need to do is be good, you need to know from the Word of God how to deal with them. So so those of you who are interested in the evangelism ministry, listen very carefully because this will tell you how to deal with someone who is like that. And also... It will help solidify us that we never move from the gospel of grace. There is also a sense in which perhaps Paul is writing, presenting himself as the greatest Jew because the Philippians may have said to him uh, or may have had the attitude, well, Paul, you don't understand. Uh, you're not like these Judaizers. They're, they're really uh, staunch Jews. You, you just don't know. And, and Paul is saying, oh, have I never told you about my background? Let me tell you where I was in Judaism. So let's look at that. Let's look at, first of all, his credentials. In verse 3, Paul has already said, he has closed that verse by saying that we put no confidence in the flesh. We, we rejoice in Christ Jesus. We don't put any confidence in the flesh, which is to say that our salvation isn't based on anything about us. We know that in, in our flesh dwells no good thing. Our, we're not basing our, our parents on getting to heaven, our moral character, our religious achievements, etc., all those things. But then Paul makes this interesting statement in verse 4. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. What an interesting verse. Is Paul boasting? 
Is he saying that he's better than others? No, he's really not. He's just saying that if he wanted to, he could have placed more confidence in his flesh than any of the legalists. In fact, he used to place his confidence in his flesh before he met Jesus Christ. And then he begins to list the things that he had confidence in. What he's saying is this. This is a challenge to the legalists. If you legalists think that you're religious, understand I'm more religious. I was more religious. If you legalists think that you are, you are righteous, understand that I'm more righteous. I was more righteous. If you legalists think that you're better Jews, understand I was the best. I was the best. It's a challenge to them. You see, a, a legalist might come along and say, you know, Philippians, the reason Paul doesn't believe in going back to the Mosaic laws and, and, and obedience to it is because there, look at his background. He had nothing to be proud of. He puts no confidence in the flesh because he doesn't have anything to have confidence in. And Paul is going to give a portrait of his background and prove them to be in error. He's got the credentials to prove it and support it. So it's a, a showdown. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. And here's his credentials. He writes, Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Now, this list of religious privileges can be broken down into two categories. The first category is his, his hereditary achievements, those things that he simply inherited because he was born into a certain family. And I want us to look at these individually because they really do apply to the 20th century. Number one, these are the privileges that his parents gave him. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. You say, big deal. Who cares what day you were circumcised? Well, if you were a legalist in the first century, you would care. You would care very much about this. Circumcision was the big thing for the legalists. That's what they said was the right of initiation. That was the key right the legalists were contending for. This is what they stressed. This is the main issue. Back in Genesis chapter 17, God said to Abraham, Abraham, you need to be uh, circumcised and all of your children from here on, all of your descendants need to be circumcised on the eighth day. The eighth day. Then that was incorporated into the law, Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3, that the eighth day a male Jew was to be circumcised. Isaac was circumcised on that day. The eighth day Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. However, not all the legalists were. You see, some of the Judaizers, some of the legalists were what we would call proselytes to Judaism. That is, they were Gentiles who as adults came from their pagan Greek background and they embraced Judaism. They would have to be circumcised at that time as adults. They were converts to Judaism. Now what Paul is saying is that you legalists, many of you legalists, you were circumcised as adults, but not me. No, I was circumcised the eighth day. It doesn't get any better than that to start off in life as a Jew. What he's saying is, I was born to a Jewish home that was meticulous in its observance of the law. As adults, you were circumcised, but eighth day, I started out right. Now, it, it really, in our day and age, what we would say is, I was baptized or confirmed as a child. 
I was born into a home in which as soon as, as I was born and they could take me, I was baptized. I was confirmed as a child. I started off in a home that was ultra-religious. That's what Paul is saying. Circumcised the eighth day. But secondly, he says, of the nation of Israel. Of the nation of Israel. Paul wasn't a proselyte. He wasn't a a convert to Judaism. Paul had Jewish blood that flowed through him. He was a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now, you might think, well, wouldn't they assume that being, uh, being who he was? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. He is making a distinction here. Notice that he says that he is of the nation of Israel or of the stock of Israel. He could come from Abraham and still not be of Israel. And there were many like that. They were Ishmaelites. They came through the other line. Not Isaac, but Ishmael. You could come through Abraham and you could come through Isaac and still not be a Jew. Because you might come through Isaac's other son, not Israel, but you might come through Esau. And in that case, you would be an Edomite. And there were Edomites at that point. In fact, Herod, Herod the Great was an Edomite. That'll give you some insight into the background of the Gospels between Herod and the Jewish people. He was always trying to prove that he was a Jew. But he was not a Jew. He was an Edomite, so he's always trying to buy the Jews off. That, by the way, is why he built them a magnificent temple. He was just trying to buy them off so they would approve of him. They never approved of him because he was not a Jew. But Paul is saying, I am a Jew. I'm from Abraham, I'm from Isaac, and I am from Jacob. That's more than the legalists could say, many of them at least. He had full blood from Jews running through him. He was a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He could trace his family lineage all the way to Abraham through Isaac and Jacob. But not only was he a Jew, notice what he says, the third point, of the tribe of Benjamin. It's a nice name, Benjamin. You say, big deal. He had to come from some tribe. Why would he stress this? But stress that he did. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, verse 21, he says the same thing. In Romans chapter 11, verse 1, he always seems to mention he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Let me tell you why. Belonging to the tribe of Benjamin was very special to a Jew. Benjamin was a highly esteemed tribe, higher than maybe any other tribe except Judah. When the kingdom divided back in the Old Testament days, only Benjamin stood with Judah. Only Benjamin was loyal to Judah. Only Benjamin was loyal to the Davidic line of kings. All the others apostatized and went off after the kingdoms uh, or the tribes in the north. Only Benjamin was faithful and loyal. And so that tribe was highly esteemed. Not only that, but Benjamin and Joseph were the favorite sons of Jacob, born to his favorite wife, Rachel. Not only that, Benjamin, I believe, was the only son who was born in the promised land. No other son was born in the promised land. Very special to Jacob. In in Judges, there's a battle cry. Benjamin was considered the bravest tribe, and there was a battle cry that they said, after you, O Benjamin. In other words, you go first. We'll follow you. The first king of Israel was a Benjamite. His name was Saul. And apparently the Apostle Paul was named after Saul. That's why we call him Saul from Tarsus. Not only that, but there were heroes in Jewish thinking who were Benjamites, and that's Mordecai and Esther. They were from the tribe of Benjamin. 
After the restoration from exile, only Judah and Benjamin were the, uh, were the nucleus and heart of the nation. Highly esteemed. You are listening to Verse by Verse with pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He will be right back with the rest of today's lesson, but we wanted to pause for just a moment to greet those who just tuned in. We're glad to have you with us today. We will resume the class after Pastor Steve shares some details about a wonderful learning opportunity. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse here on WTBM. I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity to join me on a trip to Israel I'll be leading this May. We'll be visiting those sites in Israel where Jesus ministered, such places as Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee, the Mount of Beatitudes, the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem, and and so many more sites. If you're interested in learning more about this tour, then you can call the following number and ask for more information. The number is 877-768-2784, extension one. One one. That's eight seven 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 six eight two seven eight four. Extension one one one. The tour dates are May fifth through the fourteenth. I hope you can join us. One more time. That number is eight seven 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 six eight two seven eight four. Extension one one one. I hope you will be able to come along. We were just learning about some of the Apostle Paul's impressive lineage. Let's get back to class, because Pastor Steve has some thoughts to share with us about how we, in this time and culture, can relate to what we have just learned. Now, let me apply this today. Today, we would not say, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, or I'm from the tribe of Jude. In fact, no Jew knows for sure his tribal heritage. But today, we would say, my ancestors were the best. They came over on the Mayflower. They were the best. We were the elite class. We were the aristocracy of Russia. And then we came out of that country and we came here. We were the wealthiest. We were the best. We were the bravest. Why, my great-great-great-grandparents fought in the Revolutionary War on the right side. You know, things like that. Uh, that's what we would say. Very proud of our backgrounds. And Paul goes on to say, not only that, he says, uh, I was a, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Well, what does that mean, a Hebrew of Hebrews? Well, not just a Hebrew, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In Paul's day, it was very common for Jews to, uh, to adopt the Greek culture. They would speak the Greek language, and they were called Hellenistic Jews. They would take on the Greek customs of the day, and they lived by the Greek culture, and they were dispersed to see all over the world, and they were just assimilated into these nations, and some of them forgot their Jewish heritage. Paul said, not me, not me. Now, Paul grew up in a Gentile city. He was from Tarsus, which would be in modern-day Turkey today, and Paul was in Tarsus, uh, surrounded by Hellenistic Jews, but what Paul was saying is, but I never abandoned my Hebrew traditions. I spoke Hebrew in my home and outside of my home. I never forgot my, my roots. He lived by the Jewish customs and ways. He spoke the Hebrew language. Hebrew was his native tongue, and he wasn't about to abandon it. He wasn't going to forsake the traditions of his fathers. So he was a Hebrew, but he was also a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Very important. If you're a legalist hearing this, that's very, very significant. If you're a Judaizer in the first century, 
He's a Hebrew son of Hebrew parents. So what could we say? From birth, Paul was God-fearing. He was law-observing. He was pure. He was arist uh, aristocratic Jew. He was a traditional Jew. He had everything going for him. But not only his hereditary achievements, he had some personal achievements, some religious achievements. Notice what he says in verse 5. He continues, as to the law, a Pharisee. Now, I'm afraid when we hear the word Pharisee, we immediately think of hypocrite. And the reason being is that Jesus focused much of his, his uh, attacks on the religious leaders of Israel, on the Pharisees. And, so, and, and that's true. And they, for the most part, many of them were hypocrites, but not all. And to a, to a Jewish person in the first century, when he would hear the term Pharisee, he would not think of a hypocrite. What he would think of was someone who, who was the strictest person in observance of the law. He would think of what we would think today of a right-wing fundamentalist. It's the best way I could put it. Someone who went to the finest Bible school, the finest seminary, someone who was the most orthodox, Bible-believing person that could possibly be the most conservative element in the conservative wing of Christians. That would be what a Pharisee would be. He adhered and literally believed the law. But you say, what? what I, I thought the Pharisees were off. Well, they went off. Here was the problem with the Pharisees. They believed the law of Moses. They believed the Bible. They believed it literally. They were not into politics. They were not into liberalism, as were some of the other sects in Israel. They were into believing the Bible. However, what they did was they added to the Bible, and they said, the law said that we can't work on Sabbath, but what is work? Now, if I look in the mirror and I see a gray hair and I pluck it out, you know, that's work. See, they did things like that, and after a while, they began to put those uh, little um, man-made rules on the same level as the Word of God. And before you knew it, they couldn't distinguish that. And they were basing heaven on these man-made traditions and also on the law of God. They lost sight of what God really had to say in the principles and eternal truths of the Word of God. But when Paul says that I was a Pharisee, as to the law, I approach it like a Pharisee, that's a compliment. Someone has said they were the spiritual athletes of Judaism. They were dedicated to, law, to the law. There was never more than 6,000 of the Pharisees, and they were orthodox. They had high morality. They were, had strict adherence to the law. In fact, let me, let me give you some insight on this, how good Paul was. Let's turn to Acts chapter 22. In Acts chapter 22, Paul is about to be arrested in Jerusalem, and he's given an opportunity to make his defense before the Hebrew people. Hebrew-speaking people in Jerusalem, but he gives us insight into how great he really was in terms of, of uh, being a legalist and being uh, a strict person and adhering to the law. Acts chapter 22, brethren my, and, and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet, and he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I was brought up in Jerusalem, educated under Gamaliel, 
strictly adhering to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. Now that is very significant that Paul said, and he used this purposely, he was educated under Gamaliel. All Jewish boys had to be educated in the law of God. All of them had to have religious education. Especially at this time, it was required. It used to be just the parents would educate the children, but at this time in Jewish history, um, they had to learn from a teacher. However, there were those who excelled, those who were exceptionally bright, those who the Jewish people saw great promise in them, and they went on for higher education. Gamaliel would be one of those higher education teachers. He was a noted rabbi and teacher, and everyone in Jerusalem would have heard of him. It would be like saying, I went to Yale, I went to Harvard, or I went to the finest seminary in the country. I, I learned under this teacher. I learned under that teacher. Uh, that's what he is saying. So what he is, what he is doing here, he is saying, I was one of the brightest of Jewish boys. I studied under one of the finest um, lawyers in the nation. I'm saying lawyers in the sense of biblical law now. But not only that, he wasn't just one who was into Judaism. He wasn't just one who was into the law. He was zealous to protect this law. Notice what he says. He says, as to the law, as to zeal, he goes on to say, a persecutor of the church. Paul not only believed in the faith of Judaism, Paul um, also defended it. He didn't just believe that it was revealed by God. He defended it when he believed it was being attacked. He saw Christianity as a threat to his beloved Judaism. So he became the early church's staunchest enemy. And in Acts chapter 9, we read that he was breathing out threats. He, he actually tells us later on in 1 Timothy that he was a murderer. He actually murdered Christians for what he believed was right. Now, Paul was sincere. There was no one who was more sincere than Paul. He was sincerely wrong, but he was sincere. Zeal in the Jewish mind was a very high virtue. Remember Romans chapter 11 or, or 10, Paul writes concerning Israel, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They have great zeal. In fact, they were called the God-intoxicated people. And I think Paul was the most intoxicated. He was a fanatic. He killed people for Judaism. And notice, now let's look at Galatians chapter 1. Notice what he says in verse 13 and 14. Tremendous insight into who he was. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Paul was a who's who in Judaism. Paul was the up-and-coming religious leader. Paul was a zealous person. And notice he, con he concludes verse 6 by saying this, back in Philippians 3, as to the righteousness which is in the law, he said, I was found blameless. Now, does that mean that Paul perfectly obeyed the law? No, no, it just means this. When men looked at his life, they found it to be in harmony with the law. His outward uh, conduct was above reproach. He didn't obey the law perfectly, but it means that when people looked at him, they said, now here is a law-abiding person. Inwardly, he was sinful. Inwardly, he was corrupt. But from his perspective, all it took was to obey outwardly. Outwardly, no one could find any faults with him. So he was found blameless. Every ceremony, Paul obeyed. Every tradition, Paul obeyed. Every religious practice, Paul obeyed. He was blameless. 
From Paul's credentials, everyone had to be impressed. He would be the kind of person to walk down the streets of Jerusalem, uh, put his head high and say, I am better than others, and no one could have argued with him. He was the best. He was religiously above men, and no one would have dared to challenge that. We will see in our next class that God revealed to Paul just how worthless even his righteousness was in the light of God's perfect standards. Paul came to learn, and it is vital that we realize this, that God looks at our hearts and sees that no matter how wonderful we seem on the outside, it's all a facade masking the corrupt nature of our very beings. And when we see that, then God can rescue us and bring us new life. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible classes of the air come to you through Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of listeners like you. Come see us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. You can listen to today's class once again, or you can listen to previous ones that you find on the archives page. Once again, the web address is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear the whole message of which today's lesson was the middle third, you can order it on CD or cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. Please join us for the next verse by verse. Pastor Steve has some important observations about the proper relationship between our behavior and our standing with God. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.